Hello, it's Dan Capril, and welcome to another edition of Solving the Financial Puzzle, where every week we discuss the latest in financial planning and the issues that surround you and your money. Now, today I, I want to continue with the story I was telling last time. I was discussing a recent incident I had on the plane, and I kind of got into the how systems work so well in moments of crisis, but how human emotion can sometimes get in the way of letting the system work. So. If you weren't able to listen to that podcast, I was discussing how a passenger on a plane had gotten ill and the flight attendants were completely under control of it. But one of the other passengers decided that she wanted to participate as well. And it got quite chaotic. And I'll admit I had to insert my own voice into the situation, largely because I felt my wife was potentially going to get hurt. But in any event, um, when we get into this issue of emotions, one of the ones that we have to really be aware of or what I would call expectations or reasonable versus unreasonable expectations. And it lends me to think about a recent meeting that I had with a prospective client. This is somebody who came to one of our workshops and wanted to meet with Nikki and I afterwards. And one of the things I talk about the workshop is why you should and why you should not want to meet with us. And one of the reasons you should not is because you already feel like you're financially secure. And the way that I determine that is I ask you to rate yourself on a scale of one to 10. A 10 means you sleep at night like Bill Gates, and a one means you don't sleep at all. And the people that we help generally fall in that five, six range. The people who I really can't help too much are the people in the nine, 10 range, and maybe even some of the eights. And the simple reason is because they've already got everything done. In their mind, they're in good shape. What they think in their mind is all that really matters. So logically, I could look at what somebody's doing and point out some mistakes, but if in their mind it doesn't make a difference, then it's a waste of time. So we had a couple, I'll call them Bill and Mary, just for the sake of it all, who had scored themselves quite high, an eight and a nine, and yet they still made the appointment. So naturally, I asked them, why were they here? Because if they scored themselves such a high rate, was there really a logical reason for them to be there? Now, to their credit, they had thought that through. In fact, a few days before, I had received an email from them indicating some dissatisfaction with their current advisor. But they never really were able to articulate what it was. It was just that they didn't feel like he was giving them the straight scoop. And as I tried to probe in on that, the only thing that I could surmise was that the two of them had a difference of opinion as far as how the portfolio was doing. Mary had made some comment about the fact that the advisor said they were up 8%, but when she looked at the difference between how much they started the year with and how much they had now, it was only 3%. Now, I didn't ask this question, but I couldn't help but conclude possibly there were some withdrawals taken out and she wasn't counting them or adding those back in, which is what you should do. But nonetheless, I really never quite got a feeling for it. So I kept digging, you know, why were they unhappy? And as is often the case, it got to this issue of returns, that while they were making money, they didn't think maybe they were making as much. So one of the questions I asked was, what rate of return do you want? And they said, well, you know, at least 8% every year. Well, their advisor said he gave them 8% last year. They didn't feel that was the case. All right. I asked them, what was their expectation? Should he be able to maneuver their money around so that he's always capturing 
growing rates of return and he's getting out of markets before they go down. And they had indicated that's what they thought he was doing. But then we got into the conversation about how realistic was that? How realistic is it that you can do that, that you can constantly move your money around ahead of the rest of the market? Because as we all know, news drives markets and news is unpredictable. So if news is unpredictable, so too are markets. So eventually they started to concede that, yeah, you're right. I mean, he can't successfully market time or stock pick, but they still felt that, you know, maybe he should be doing better than he was. Of course, I hadn't concluded he was doing a bad job. So I asked them what would be the worst one year that they could tolerate. And uh, Mary said, minus 15%. I said, oh, okay. I said, well, since your advisor can't give you an exact rate of return every year, what if he told you that he could keep you in a range of returns, say between minus 12 and plus 28, that every year you would fall within that range? He was highly confident. Would that be acceptable to you? And surprisingly, she said no. Now I say surprisingly because she just told me previously she could handle minus 15. But suddenly now it's minus 12 to plus 28, and that just wasn't good enough. So what we have here, in my opinion, is some very irrational expectations about what an advisor does and what he should be doing for them. No advisor can give you a set rate of return every year. Even old Bernie Madoff tried to do that, and that's what ultimately tipped people off into the fact that he was scamming. He wasn't able to produce a consistent rate of return each and every year. The reality is that we are tied to the markets and the markets react to news, and news is unpredictable. So in truth, it is only a range of returns that we can get, and you should know your range of returns. Your range of returns should be a reflection of the financial plan that was done for you. And you need to understand that you're going to get results in that range, and part of that range will be negative. And when that happens, what are you going to do? Like the flight attendants, what are you going to do when someone gets sick? Well, what are you going to do when the market goes down? Are you going to panic like the lady who was sitting next to my wife was doing? Or are you going to very calmly assess the situation and understand that there's a strategy in place for that, which in our case would be to rebalance your portfolio, which actually would take advantage of falling stock prices. If we go with that approach, then we're much more likely to be successful. But if you think that there's some solution out there that can always give you a straight rate of return, well, only zero is a straight rate of return that you can get. I knew that we were onto some issues here with this couple because her husband kept wanting to know, like, what was our returns last year and what returns should we expect? And again, I just looked at him and said, well, it really doesn't matter what our returns were last year because they have absolutely no influence on what our returns are going to be this year. All I kept saying to him is, well, if you're going to hold me something, minus 12 plus 28 percent. It's interesting because they didn't like that answer, but they had both said that they wanted the straight scoop, which is what they were getting from me. They weren't getting a bunch of mumbo jumbo. So at some point I asked them if I could be candid and they said I could and they said, okay, I don't think we're gonna be a good fit for you. To constantly be focusing on returns and not on what really matters, which is the amount of money you can have during your retirement. To me, that's not the key to a good retirement. Returns you have no control over. They play a role, but to live in this belief that I got to get 8% every year is absurd because you won't. So if you're making the mistake of doing some type of linear projection on a spreadsheet where you're giving yourself 8% every year, 
that's about as worthless a financial analysis as you could possibly create. And hopefully no one's ever created something like that for you. So keep that in mind as you go. You need to understand that with every portfolio, there's a level of volatility. You need to understand what your level of volatility is. And you need to make sure that it's an appropriate one for the amount of income that you want during retirement. Now, if you're not certain about what your level of volatility is, call me. 513-563-PLAN. That's 513-563-7526. I'll be more than happy to discuss with you our portfolio MRI, which does just that. It analyzes deeply what your portfolio is up to and what it's likely to do in any given year. So again, 513-563-7526 is the number. Or you can email me, dan at matsonandcapril.com or go to our website, matsonandcapril.com. Thank you. And until next week, this is Dan Capril, and I thank you for listening to Solving the Financial Puzzle. Thanks for tuning in to Solving the Financial Puzzle. If you want to find out more about Dan Capril or about today's topic, visit matsonandcapril.com. And be sure to join us for the next edition of Solving the Financial Puzzle. Information provided on today's show is provided for information purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with an investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. Dan Capril is an investment advisor representative of MPM Wealth Advisors and Capril Wealth Coaching, LLC. Both firms are registered investment advisors. To obtain a copy of Form ADV and a private policy statement for either firm, call 800-353-7923.